This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Very cool. Pleasure to meet you. Technical difficulties, as usual. (laughs) No worries. Well, it's great meeting you as well. So, um, did you... uh, did you want to just go jump right into it, or do you have any questions ahead of time? No, it seems pretty straightforward. I love free-flowing conversations. So, all right, let's do it then. Okay. So, um, thanks for coming on the show. This is great. Uh, good to meet you. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, your organization, and what you're passionate about. Well, um, I'm the chief innovation officer for Infinalytics. We're a startup based in the Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I've been with the company for uh, going on five years, uh, started with them in 2014. And I'm in my second life, as I like to say. This is my second career. Um, my previous career was 32 years in law enforcement here in California. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And so when I when I retired, you know, I, I was involved in technology projects, you know, throughout the years and then also in legislative and regulatory issues as well. And um, when I went through a program called Command College, it's a future studies program put on by the California Peace Officer Standards Training Commission. It's like a 19 month program. Wow. This is where I learned learned all about futures. And I did my thesis on uh, what a law enforcement agency would look like in a total virtual office environment and how it would interact with the community and vice versa, and what are the benefits, and then of course, what are the downsides to it? I had a lot of fun doing that. Learned a lot about technology because uh, they they challenged you. Pick, do something, go and do something you're not familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to make this easy. So I really enjoyed doing that. And when I retired, um, people were asking, okay, what are you going to do? You know, it's, there's the traditional second careers law enforcement goes into, and I said, no, I'm going in the opposite direction. Um, I love technology. And Mm -hmm. I want to belong somewhere that creates something, you know, that benefits um, everybody, a company, the consumer, society as a whole, um, you know, with all these other things. And uh, here I am. That's what we've done. Very cool. Yeah. So Infinalytics, we are a, uh, we're an artificial intelligence software uh, provider uh, for the insurance industry. And we have created the first insurance insights engine. And uh, we're gaining a lot of traction. We're very busy. Uh, There's like three years in the development stage of growing and and learning and whatnot. So it's some exciting times around here. Nice. Nice. So this is a startup. You've only been around for three years. Is that right? Um, We've been in, we introduced our platform, Charlie, its first iteration three years ago. Mm -hmm. Charlie has grown much more than that. But yeah, I mean, the first couple of years was we were in an R&D mode. Right. So you were just, are you totally self-funded or did you get some 
some we startup are, funding. We right now we are totally self-funded. Uh, wow. Angel investors, the co-founders. Um, yeah, no, this is uh, bootstrapped together, and we're we're talking with investors now. Uh, it seems like we gained a lot of interest, um, you know, especially from the insurance industry, their capital venture arms and what and whatnot, because we're we're onto something here. So, so how how do you apply AI to insurance? I mean, I'm curious, so like from a high level. Okay, from a high level. Okay, so insurance is a business, right? And mm-hmm. insurance, the business of insurance is heavily regulated, right, by the government. There's yeah. timelines, there's deadlines, there's laws in effect that, you know, uh, one of them, the Fair Claims Practice Act, you know, which insurance companies must fairly honor the contract of insurance when a claim is made and you have X amount of days to do certain things. I mean, the clock is ticking when that mm-hmm. claim comes in. So what AI uh, can do is help automate a lot of the data gathering, um, a lot of the manual processes. And let me give you an example. The Insurance Information Institute, Triple I is what it's uh, referred to. They did a study and they they came out, this was an amazing statistic. The claims examiners and underwriting analysts spend 70% of their time looking for data. And that mm-hmm. data is right in front of them, but it is so disparate in different places it takes time. So they waste 70% of the time just trying to find it and then start to be able to make a decision. So AI comes in and says, oh, wait a minute, we can cut this time clock down drastically and pulling in the data and the insights that the data uh, reveals. So you can make better informed decisions and more timely decisions, be compliant, be cost-effective. You know, in insurance, it's all about the book of business, how big your portfolio is, grow that, uh, you know, and keep the consumers happy so you can retain them and then upsell. You know, I mean, that's what it's all about. And so we have focused on the unstructured text part of claims and underwriting. So like <clears throat> for uh, God, going on, I had 26 years plus experience investigating white collar crime, specifically insurance fraud and all the other ancillary crimes that go with that. And when you look at a claim file, an insurance claim file, you know, it can be like this thick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents, sometimes they're file boxes yeah. uh, with, with all kinds of documents in it. And so those documents contain the unstructured text and it is a goldmine of information. So what, you know, used to take, you know, someone put, people would come into my office insurance industry and they want to refer a matter saying you guys need to look at these people they're they're they've got this massive fraud scheme going on it would take me about a month to go through three file boxes read it digest it outline it figure out what's going on you know and then start the investigation where now the ai can do this for you in seconds wow that makes that makes total sense I i can understand but so much of this is still uh paper so do you have to you have to digitize all the documentation? Right? Well, uh, you know, thank God the insurance industry is going digital. It's all about digital. <laughs> they're they're all about that. But that there are some paper things that still go on. Uh, but I mean, but it's it, it doesn't matter if it's you know you got a stack of papers on your desk. This is how you got to read, or it's three gigabytes of documents on a file that you got to read. You still got to read it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, you know, and then you got to you know transform that and. Um, and do what you have to do, you know, w- with your job with that. So, but what's really cool that it, what, this is what I'm really, really passionate about. One of the things I'm passionate about a lot of things, but this is one of the things about in the world of insurance is being able to see the hidden patterns. Mm. You know, let's talk about fraud, for instance. Um, the 
the organized crime groups, the transnational global organized crime groups flourish in committing insurance fraud. A lot of it goes undetected. It is billions of dollars globally. Um, yep. And this is a huge amount of capital that they inject into their business for their other nefarious activities. Uh -huh. So if you can stop those dollars, you know, uh, flowing into there by acting quickly and efficiently legally, uh, you know, and it's going to hold up uh, under legal muster, uh, this is a cool thing. But now the other side, you know, that's just fraud. Now let's talk about underwriting. You know, I mean, when you talk about, you know, are you, is the insurance company pricing their products correctly? Uh -huh. uh, you know, let, let, let me give you, for instance, our very first customer, um, was a life insurance uh, carrier here. It's a global life insurance carrier. We only worked in the United States space and they needed help automating their um, uh, death certificates. Believe it or not, there are 3,800 plus different death certificates in the United States. Seriously? <laughs> is that like a per, per county thing? Is that what it, it is? It is, it is. It's yeah. per county and per parish. Now, every, now it, it has all the basic information, right? So, you know, I mean, there's the, you know, when you look at it, I mean, the who, what, when, why, where, and how, and you look at uh, the, the cause of death, and then below it, there's the three uh, supporting causes. Like, let, let's let me give you, for instance, uh, someone passes away from a myocardial infarction, heart attack. And then below that will be listed the three reasons why the heart stopped beating. So if you would, if you started doing analysis on that, trend analysis, and then look at, and then look at it on a geospatial thing, and you kind of like think of, okay, the life expectancy in the, uh, the very deep south of the United States compared to, say, Seattle. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I mean, a little bit different lifestyles, a little bit different eating styles, maybe, you know, other types of uh, uh, other styles. And it's like if you're offering a product uh, that's doing well in Seattle, but it's not doing well in the southern United States, I mean, for any number of reasons, you know, like, hello, are you paying attention yeah. You know, AI can help bring this out. So we did that for them. Um, you know, yeah, you could probably also see patterns, uh, similar patterns in different areas and say, just like poke, say, okay, in this county, this specific county is similar to this specific county. You're selling in this county, but you're not selling in this county. So you can just find all sorts of new, new places to sell that product. Exactly. And then, you know, and then uh, it's a switch gear, a switch gears real quick to, to claims. Like, okay, in the claims process, you know, you have, uh, let's say two cars come together in an intersection uh, and one of the drivers is DUI. Um, okay, so what are all the attributes? What are all the features? What's all the, what's all the little things going on in that corner of the world regarding DUI crashes to say the central Los Angeles basin? Mm. You know, what are, the, what are the differences? I mean, what, what are the similarities? What's unique? You know, I mean, slicing and dicing it and coming that way. And thank God we are meeting people and interacting with these folks in the insurance industry where they're starting to think like this. And this is where AI is, is really coming in. People are excited about it. So. Right. Well, one of the things that a lot of people are concerned about when it comes to AI is bias though, right? I mean, you heard about the story with oh, at Amazon yeah. where they pulled out the AI yeah. recruiting because, you know, it was just, it was just giving us more, you know, white engineers. So, yeah. I mean, how do you work the bias out of your, out of your system? Well, okay, so you know, we have we have said from the beginning, you know, we're, we we uh, my co-founders and I we've given a lot of talks in the Silicon Valley Insurance Accelerator Group, um, you know, about AI and we've talked about bias and bias is very real. So 
So like if you take AI and deploy it onto a system and that system has biased data, of course the AI is also going to be biased because it's just mimicking how you're teaching it. Yep. So, right. So, so what we do is when we, uh, when we built Charlie, uh, Charlie's the name of our, of our AI platform, C-H-A-R-L-E-E. Um, we were very, I mean, we took a lot of things into consideration. And one of them, I mean, what we did is we took a multidisciplinary approach where we had a data scientist, a technical architect, and uh, two deep insurance domain experts come together and sit down at a table and design the system. And as it's being built, we were always thinking and guarding against bias, the bias data. So like Charlie does three things. It does pattern recognition. It does quality control alerts, what we call QC alerts. And what it does is what, what, what those alerts are is insurance industry best practices. It's kind of like a checklist to help remind the claims examiner, do this, do this, do this, did you mm -hmm. do this? And if you did this, follow up on this. It's just a suggestive tool uh, engine right there. And then we predict if the claim is going to go into litigation. And we, we do that through the semantic search, how people are communicating. And right now we are, we are predicting with 82% accuracy four weeks before an attorney even gets involved if the claim is going to go into litigation. Wow, that is fantastic. Uh, right. And, so, and, and that's a huge cost savings because just alone in the property casualty space, PNC companies spend $80 billion a year in legal costs. I mean, I mean, I've, that's I've, not, I've, that's I've, not <laughs> nothing to sneeze at. That's for sure. No, I mean, so, you know, when I tell a couple of my lawyer friends, what we're doing is like, they just like stare at me like, Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's look into the future here. You're going to put me out of business, but, mm -hmm. but, you know, but no, this is all, this is like what I think AI can do. And we're very conscious about the bias. We tune it, we take it out. Um, I'm often referred to by, by my co-founder, uh, uh, the CEO, Shri, is um, I'm the big brother because I, <laughs> I come from the government space, um, yeah. you know, and it's like uh, over the years, no, you can't do that. Uh, it's not <laughs> well, somebody's somebody's got to be the no, you can't do that guy. <laughs> right, right. And so, and so like, you know, we've been in front of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, NAIC, and we've like, given a presentation about what we've done and they love it. I mean, because mm -hmm. they, they don't have a problem with it. But what NAIC on the policy side, this is where people pay close attention to the AI, where is the AI biased and being biased against the consumer right. you know, for, for insurance products. So, so I'm assuming that there is transparency there, right? You can go back and, and find out why the AI made the decision that it did. Yeah, like absolutely. All of that is totally open. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. I mean, when uh, people that, you know, use Charlie, uh, Charlie will point out, you know, like, for instance, um, let's look at uh, uh, like pattern recognitions. If Charlie points out that it's a suspected stage collision, it will pull out and list um, you know, where in the claim notes, what people are saying or what document was analyzed that has the indicators of a stage collision scheme. Interesting. You know, so, interesting. Yeah, so, because, so, I mean, the, the, one of the other things, I mean, one of the things that I was another passionate about is teaching, teaching the insurance industry. I mean, I've given hundreds and hundreds of uh, talks and instructional symposiums to insurance companies about identifying fraud. And it's a good thing. But the problem in the insurance industry, one of the Achilles heel is the claims examiner is the weakest link. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you're constantly teaching, you know, I mean, it, the insurance companies that retain can retain senior, 
you know, accomplished people and they can handle complex claims and they, they know their stuff, that is gold. But, you know, you got, you got people cycling in and out and the training process starts over. Meanwhile, the, the, uh, the conveyor belt with the claims still keeps moving. Oh yeah. Right? It never and stops. No, no one pauses, you know, like, we'll let you get caught up here. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's put it on, let's put the claims on hold for a minute while we train everybody up. Yeah, right. It don't work like that. <laughs> so, so, um, so you're only working in that space right now. So like the underwriting and the claim and the claim space. And what was the other, you said it was another space that you were in. Uh, well, I mean the litigation part of it. Right. As well for, for claims. I mean, th those are the three areas. Are, are you looking at sort of expanding into more predictive and proactive uh, areas too? So you can say, you can look at, you know, additional data and go, what were the propensity for people? Like, can you actually get to the point where you're actually writing insurance? We get asked that a lot because of, <laughs> of all the insights. If you've got AI, then you probably, and if you've yeah, got I mean, access so, to the big data. So, so Charlie was trained on over 30 million claims. Mm -hmm. And we're at 40 million claims now, and we have 40,000 plus insights. And so we've been approached like, okay, wow, why don't you guys start an insurance company? Yeah. You know, oh, <laughs> but that's an idea. But that okay, makes we'll, sense. Uh, well, we'll just put that card on the table over here on the edge because we want to focus on you know, <laughs> what we're doing right now. Because I would tell you, that's one of the things I learned about being in a startup. And, you know, you, you get a group of people together that are creative and innovative and they want to do things. And the problem is one, I mean, like one of the mistakes we made when we started is we, we were too broad, mm. we were way too broad. Yeah. Uh, so we, we had to reel it back in, focus on, you know, one industry, the property and casualty. Uh, and this is what we're done. And now, and now it's huge progress. But yeah, there's we're we've got some cards on the table thinking about it. I mean, I'd like to I'd like to expand out into other sectors, um, you know, take this um, to it. I mean, I would like to go back to my home uh, mm -hmm. law enforcement once this is really, really refined and growing and start applying some stuff there. Because like in law enforcement, you know, going back, oh, I mean, two, 11 years ago, predictive policing was this huge buzzword. You know, I mean, AI is going to change. Yeah, whatever that. happened to that? Well, hey, to well that? here we are. I mean, so I mean, <laughs> the problem, that, I mean, you know, one of the problems is, is, you know, it's like, so here comes a technology company, you know, with some very, very smart people. And they go, we have a widget that can predict when crime's going to happen. And it's like, cool, show us what you got. I can take a seasoned beat cop that has spent a huge amount of time on the street and they will tell you where the crooks are in town, yep. schemes that they're up to, when it goes down, where they're active and that's where it goes. So, so predictive policing, you know, I think if what you wanna do is you wanna mimic the mind of a seasoned accomplished officer mm -hmm. instead of looking at, you know, PowerPoint slides of basic statistics of like a burglary was here. We got a DUI arrest here. Here was a robbery. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. Tell something I don't know. I mean, yeah. Well, it's that, more intuitive. It's more intuitive than just looking at the data. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's that. And then um, uh, another area that fascinates us is the telematics. Mm. Um, you know, of, of the telematics of vehicles. There's all, I mean, the IOT is amazing. The information, um, it, the internet of things, especially like in the world of insurance, where you look at a connected home, 
You know, I think right, I, I read somewhere, I think like the average number of connected devices in a home now is like 19. Oh yeah. yeah I'm, I mean, sure, I'm sure mine's in the thirties or something like that. Yeah, right I'm, sure, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's grown by more than that. I mean, everything, I mean, even now the refrigerators talk yeah. to you as an order, you need milk. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. You know, it's well, kind of amazing thing. It's, it's actually interesting you should mention that because I, I always think of insurance as being really messy because it kind of deals with reality, with the real world. And mm-hmm. the thing is, we don't have all those IoT devices out there right now. If we had, if we had like a network mesh of IoT devices that are tracking all this stuff, we could get like real live, real data on all this stuff. How do you, how do you, do you just get observ- observational data and you put it in there? I mean, you just work on that, right? I mean, I guess right, if you yeah, don't- yeah. It's, the, it's the data of the device reporting back, right? And so right. you have the data. Now, what are you going to do with it? Or what can you do with it? I, I will tell you the one thing uh, we're also, we're, we're exploring and um, uh, we've launched already with one carrier is cyber, um, mm. cyber insurance. Because that is, I mean, as we grow, as this technology grows and the world becomes more connected, the cyber insurance for your personal information and then all your corporate secrets and financial stuff like that. I mean, it's going to get expensive when these breaches occur. And, you know, now if you look, I mean, it's like government is finally, you know, stood up and said, enough is enough. Yeah. You know, if you have these laws coming in and oh, by the way, I think, what is it? California, the California Consumer Protection Act that was passed, um, the, the, Full disclosure here, I haven't read it for over a year, but the first reading of it I saw is uh, someone's entitled to $750 per breach. Whoa. That's, That's a lot of money. <laughs> hello. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, something that could make a, a company go insolvent yeah. real you know, real quick. So this is kind of like serious, um, you know, part of that. So that's the other part is, you know, having AI help out, help out, make, make the system secure and stopping things. I mean, that's, I mean, that's real. And yeah. So I love that. I love that. So I'd like to go back a little bit to your startup journey, right? I mean, you said you had a full career in law enforcement and then suddenly you decided to do this. I mean, what, how did you like, what, what made you do this like what what triggered you into doing this well the, okay so okay so let me go back um when when i graduated from the command college uh program um, I, I sent my thesis over to the insurance commissioner at the time um he loved it and said mm-hmm. well what can we do different and i said well you know uh coming off the heels of 9 9-11 um, you know, let's build a fusion center that incorporates law enforcement and financial data to mm. try and track and root out these groups, right? Wonderful idea, build it. So I had a lot of fun designing that. Um, I sat through 37 presentations of technology companies I'd never even heard of before. <laughs> you counted? <laughs> yeah, I was a captive audience. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, I was enjoying it because I was learning a lot. Like, wow, I didn't have any idea that people were doing this or, you know, your system could do that. So when I retired, um, I started my own consulting company, um, helping the insurance industry in legal cases. To, I, I testify as an expert for insurance fraud, bad faith, and the special investigation unit regulations. Mm-hmm. And I was only doing one or two a year, which, I mean, like, thank God. I mean, because if insurance companies were being sued every week, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Because something's inherently wrong. And at the, when I was doing that, and then um, 
one of the companies that came in on that fusion center project, the bid was SAS, SAS. Oh yeah. Right. And there's some phenomenal, phenomenal people at SAS. And so, oh, yeah. They, Great company. They, they, yeah, they asked, I said, they, I got the traditional question. What are you going to do when you grow up? So I said, <laughs> <laughs> so they said, what about, you know, how does a, you know, how'd you like to come and be an Alliance partner and an ambassador in the, in the state and local government and the financial crimes? And I did that for three years. Nice. It was fascinating. I, I had a great time, uh, met some incredibly smart people, uh, you know, working on projects. And then I got approached uh, by, our, by our CEO and founder, Shri. Um, she was following me on LinkedIn because I was writing blogs and essays. And he's like, I, I got a phone call out of the blue. Um, nice. Hey, hey, what did you think about, uh, you know, coming to a startup? And uh, what's a startup? What are you talking about? <laughs> Tell me some more. So, you know, I said, okay, well, I, I have a contract with SAS. I'm a very honorable guy. I'm going to honor my contract. Call me at the end of the year. Literally to the day at 8 a.m., the phone rings. <laughs> you know? I love it. And, you know, we had a conversation and signed an NDA and she showed me, you know, what the, what the vision is or whatever. I said, this is cool. I would love to be, um, you know, part of that. And, you know, and in the first two years, it was an R&D. I mean, we were mm -hmm. experimenting, we were changing things. I mean, we had an idea and it's the classic thing. You have an idea and you run to the, the service sector you want to provide this to and, they, and they'll go, that's really interesting, but no, it's more <laughs> this is why Well, usually they say that's really interesting, but, and we'll buy it when you, when you build it, when you've built yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and, but yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, when we started this and when we started uh, going to like SBIA, the very first one I went to, there was over 300 people in the room and there, I mean, it's all startups, right? Mm -hmm. All insure tech startups. And I was kind of like blown away, like, wow, there's a lot of interest in this. And it's yeah. everybody's AI, everybody's AI there in Silicon Valley. And, you know, and so the very first um, uh, one we went to, um, there, I mean, there was people from the insurance industry that were the keynote speakers and they're doing their thing and uh, telling, telling the world their views, what innovation means to them, what you need to do. And I was looking around and some of the presentations that were made by the startups, um, you know, and this is no, you know, I don't mean to, um, make anybody feel bad or whatever, but it was like I whispered in my uh, my my partner's ear. I said, "Most of these people aren't going to be around because it mm. is nowhere near compliant with the law or regulations." Right. Right. And so that's yeah. what. Well, that's it, what we it, like to do in Silicon Valley, right? We like to disrupt right? things. We get, and that's cool. That, that that's really cool. But I think you know one of the, one of the things is one of the important things is is. For a startup, I mean, if you got this idea and you want to do it in industry, is like reach out to your domain practitioner and bring them on board. Yeah. Because you they they can tell you a lot. And you know, before you spend a ungodly amount of money into something and you run to the company and go, Oh yeah, I mean exactly. No, it's not gonna that, work. <laughs> but that's it's the passion of the founders. They're like, Oh yeah, this yeah. is a great idea. We're, I've got to push it through and I'm gonna get it done. And and they, they don't look look at you know the pushback, especially in the regulatory sense. I mean, yeah. in, in sure tech definitely, fintech definitely, but yeah. you know they really need to. That really needs to happen first, right? Uh, somewhere along the way. I mean, it, I mean, you can't. I mean, I am firm. I am a firm believer and advocate in innovation and creativity. And um, um, I I listened to a, a Neil deGrasse Tyson podcast once, and he was he was being interviewed by HBR. Um, and he, he said something, and this was way back. This is 
2010, I think. And he said, he gave this example of innovation, like if you have an innovation lab, if you run into that lab and drop a project on your innovation team and say, we need this problem solved, it's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's dead. It's dead on arrival. So the whole thing about innovation is letting people pursue their passions, right? Absolutely. It's I mean, funny you should I, say that. It's funny it's, you should say that because I've had other, I have other people I've talked to who say, unless it's something useful that you can actually create, then it's not innovation. So I love hearing. <laughs> see, so I, many mean, different... I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, great people will, will, you know, take opposite sides or agree. <laughs> but I think the whole thing about innova innovation and creativity spawns about somebody's passion or curiosity. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not it will work, or it's meaningful, or I mean, th that's a different that's a different discussion, a different time. But if you stifle that, you're going to kill innovation and creativity. Yeah, I yeah. think. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. So, so here's my question to you then: If would you be able to look at those startups and say this is how they ha can have to change their model in order to get it to work, or can some of them you could you would just be able to say no, that's not possible at all? Well, I'm not the only you know, person of experience in legislative and regulatory business of insurance. A lot of people could do that. But right. I, I mean, what I have learned now and what I have experienced, if there was a brand new startup in InsureTech and I, I was in an audience listening to their, to their pitch, and in the back of my mind, I'm firing on, okay, Fair Claims Practices Act, check. Anti-fraud program regulation, check. Financial reporting, Ooh, uh oh, question yeah. mark. Yeah, question mark. So there is a, there is this checklist that they can go through. Yeah, which oh, is yeah. like here are the things that you need to be careful. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like it's like understanding your domain, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know, a lot of people. <clears throat> let me tell you a quick uh, a quick anecdote here. Um, whenever whenever I had to go to court and somebody was in trial, we're talking about criminal court and some fraudsters have been arrested and they're sitting there at the, uh, uh, the defense table and the people's representative, the district attorney or the assistant United States attorney is putting on the case. One of the first things you have to do is convince the jury, those 12 plus two alternates, that the insurance company is a victim. Mm. So a lot- what, That must what, be hard. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what, what do people know about insurance? Their monthly yeah. payment or they get in an accident yeah. or something goes wrong with their home and that's their first interaction with it. Yeah. And we say, you know, a claim is a moment of truth for an insurance company, right? I mean, and if you don't do it right, you're going to lose that customer and many more, you know, as well. So it's like, it's all about having the system firing on all cylinders efficiently with good data. I, my mantra is, is, um, right data at the right time to the right person for the right decision. And mm -hmm. that's where the power of AI comes in. So speaking of that, have you ever had a situation where you were surprised by the findings, uh, Charlie's findings? Like he came up with something you never even thought of. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how we grow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the iteration. I mean, you know, Charlie, yeah. Charlie three years ago looks nothing like what it is today. Because I mean, you know, we, I mean, we have our models. Uh, we have the, we have the machine learning. We have the ontologies. We've built the insight. I mean, we've, we, we've built the insights and we take it to a customer and, you know, they use it and they're starting to be successful, but the customer will say, 
you know, this is great. I'd never noticed this before. And it's mm. like, wait, tell me more. What is it? And why is that important to you? You know, the, the iteration and the, and the learning part of it, because our world is very, very complex. And in the world, in fintech and insure tech is very, very complex. And it's, it's real people, it's real money, it's real life-changing events for some people. You know, when they, when they make an insurance claim, they, they lost mm-hmm. their home, they've been in a horrific automobile accident or some type of disabling injury. Um, you know, so this is real. So you've got to make the right decisions and having the right data. It's what I'm passionate about. Right. But that's it, it's just interesting that they, it would find things that no, no human being would find. And you've seen that happen, that actually happen. Yeah, because, well, it's massive amounts of data, mm. massive amounts of data. I mean, so like, you know, in, in the world of insurance, a claim comes in and the claims examiner, you know, does three things. Uh, validate coverage, that active policy. Okay, um, what is our liability on this? Is there any negligence involved? I mean, are, is our insured negligent totally at fault or is the other person totally at fault? So you do those three things and then you start your... Your, your process and people, people are people, they'll get sidetracked. Mm. I think the, at one time I, I saw that uh, uh, for one of the tier, what we call the tier one companies, the big companies, it's not uncommon to have 75 to hundred open claims that they're processing. Yikes, that's how crazy. Can you, how can you keep track? You can't, mm-hmm. you can't keep track of all the intricate details, which could mean the to- you know, if you lose lose track or lose focus or miss one of these details, it's going to affect the outcome of the claim. Right. This Have you ever had a situation where a human looked at it and they decided one way, and then the AI looked at it and they decided a different way? Um. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that. Um, let me give you two examples. Yes. Um, we did uh, this this big proof of concept project uh, for one of the top insurance companies in the world. And when they deployed Charlie as a proof of concept, we pointed out a few of the claims. Uh, and just in one claim alone, we saved them 250,000. Nice. Right, it was a, the other uh, thing we did uh, a pilot. I mean, what, it, it, was a, it was a pilot for an existing customer in the PNC space. And, you know, hurricanes come every year, right? Nothing new. Mm-hmm. One year you may get seven, one year you may get 25, and they all vary in strength, um, you know, and all cause all kinds of devastation and havoc. So in these hurricane claims, there's a huge issue with litigation, mm-hmm. depending on the state. People, you know, will just automatically litigate. And they wanted to see if Charlie could, this is where we got the idea of sicking Charlie on him to predict if a claim will fall into litigation. <laughs> and we built it. And it just in the just in the pilot, uh, the company saved ten million. Wow, fantastic! Just, just that's, in the that's pilot. big bucks right there. Right, yeah, you know, and it's all about it's not you know, and it's like one of the, I mean, you we will never take the human out of the process because I'm, I'm sorry, you can't take your MacBook and put it on the witness stand in court and have the computer <laughs> explain why you made that decision. That's not going to work. You just need some text-to-speech or a speech. Yeah, text-to-speech. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Dude, you're you're deposing your MacBook. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work. So, you know, being able to, to, to help them, uh, you know, identify, like, if this claim is starting to track or pending towards litigation, to mitigate it and, uh, and go around, as I say, avoid it, 
totally. It's a huge cost saving and there's benefits all around. Yeah, you know? fantastic, fantastic. I love it, I love it. Okay, so yeah. it's time to think like a futurist. It's the year 2031, 10 years from now. What's this like? What's Charlie gonna be like in 10 years? Charlie is going to be a standalone system that also encompasses claims management, underwriting portfolio um, uh, management, the risk analysis, and give the claims examiner a checklist to process the claim. Wow. Claims examiner, so it does everything, basically. Yeah. So, so if the claims examiner looks at this checklist and go, yes, 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 mm, I got to look into that a little bit further. Yes, yes, yes. They take that one item, look into it, claim settled. Nice. Is it going to yeah. be at the point where I can actually go and sign up for an insurance policy through Charlie? And then it can look at my social media and decide how, how, how much of a risk taker I am? Well, it's funny you should mention social media. Um, you know, social. I've got some experience with social media and law enforcement on the intelligence, uh -huh. and there are different degrees of intelligence. Um, there, I mean, there's like you know, oh, nice to know, or that sounds more like gossip to me, or so what, or wait a minute, that's actionable intelligence. That's good. I can I can take an action on that. That's the world uh, of intelligence. So social media is full of that. Uh -huh. It's, 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 it's hearsay, you know, nine times over is what I say. <laughs> Social media. I mean, there's some good things on it, but you know, the first, the, in, in the world of insurance, the first knuckleheads that were caught that, you know, broadcasted on their Facebook account, how they scammed an insurance company and they hold up their money, you know, they, they ended up in jail. Okay. That's the low hanging fruit. Yeah, that's easy. Hurt. People learn, people learn. So, but, you know, you will see it. I mean, people still do knucklehead things, you know, people on disability and they're out water skiing and you find them and they put it on their, their, their Instagram or Facebook page. But that is such a small number mm -hmm. compared to the real fraud that, that's going in on there. And, you know, with the world of social media, how the privacy is locked down, like today, Apple came out, you know, with their new update on, mm -hmm. on the iOS. And now there's that option. I mean, it, when it's my understanding when you install the new system and it's up and running and you tap Facebook, you're going to get the prompt. Do you want Facebook to track? You know, oh, you I, I haven't installed my new update yet. I've got yeah, to check do it out. That. It's kind of, I, I installed it, but I haven't had time to play with it. So, I mean, that's kind of where, and, and the other thing too that, that I'm very, very interested in is like the last time the Internet Communications Act on the federal level was updated. Sony was advertising the CD Walkman. Mm -hmm. Remember that? <laughs> it's that old? Oh my God. 1996. Jeez. So on the federal level, th that law hasn't been addressed or tweaked since 1996. And look at where we are now in, mm. in the world of technology compared to 1996, right? I mean, if you pulled out your iPhone in 96, they would, you know resurrect the witchcraft laws and <laughs> what is this device? I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, so when you, when you think about it and the other thing that I am very, very hopeful for, and I am nowhere means an expert, I'm an enthusiast, but with the power of computing, um, you know, and the, the, the speed of chips, making cloud technologies more stable, more vast, faster service, faster internet speeds or whatever, 
we're, we've just started this ride. Who is it? I think um, um, someone said that we're still driving a Cadillac with fins. There's more to come. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I, I can, I can see that happening. So do you think like the, the IOT piece of it is really going to help inform a lot of this new stuff, right? Because we don't have sensors everywhere, but once we have sensors in more places, then you, you'd be able to gather a lot more data. Yeah, I mean, for, especially for the world of, of, of InsureTech insurance, the IoT is a huge resource of data. If we can secure that data, make people at ease and opt in, you know, to uh, allow the, the usage of it. I mean, you could save. Uh, people will be able to save. I mean, I mean, they're doing it now. Insurance companies now have an app. You just download the app on your phone, and you allow them to uh, track you. You know, and if you're doing you know, on average, 89 miles an hour uh, for over an hour, they're going to yeah. know. They're going to go, we want to talk to you about your driving habit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Or else we're going we're gonna to charge you more. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. so all kinds of, uh, of different applications for it. And it's just, I, th- I think it's still, still a concept. I think we got to secure the data. We got to get the AI wired properly. We got to take the bias out of it um, and make it very friendly and easy to use in the claims process. Yeah, and in, in the end, you really have to have it as a plus for the consumer, right? Like it's saving, savings on this, this is, that's why they say, you know, oh, I'll just plug this device into my car and you'll save money, but only if you drive properly, right? So you've right. got to, if, okay. if you're not like that, then obviously you're not going to have that. And I, I have, do you see that that might be mandated at some point because, you know, we want to reduce Reduce traffic deaths I, well, I, and stuff like that. I don't like know that. about mandated. Mandated maybe in the future, but we got a long ways to go because you have to solve that argument right now that's argued in the courts. Whose data is it? Mm. The driver of the car or is it the car manufacturer or is it you know the insurance company that's treated like a third party going, no, we insured this this mess of a risk that you know has got a lot of a lot of dollars hanging on right. the So you know, I mean we're still arguing about that. Um I can see it coming. Yes, I can see it coming, but it needs a lot more work. We got to work on the privacy laws and, and actually decide on whose data it actually rests with. Who so what's going to happen? I know this isn't 10 years out, but what's going to happen when we have autonomous vehicles everywhere? Are we going to like all auto insurance? I, I, is I will disappear? tell you, my, but my prediction as a former California Highway Patrol officer and an accident reconstructionist, I will tell you that once the autonomous cars can talk to one another, and we're talking about every one. And just in California yeah. alone, there's over 38 million registered personal vehicles. That doesn't yeah. include commercial fleets. Yeah. Once the cars can talk to one another, and once the cars are connected to a smart highway, you're going to see some amazing things happen. But who's going to push that? Who's, yeah. who's going to step forward and say, you know, John, you bought that, you know, that 1968 Mustang fastback with a 427 Cobra engine in it. Too bad. You can't drive it. <laughs> so, I mean, so, I mean, so, I mean, you know, when, when, when yeah, you look at that's going to be that's 50 years I, out or more. Right. I mean, so, yeah, but, but, you know, if you look into that and, you know, I mean, I'm obviously, you know, all fun aside, I'm a, you know, hot rod cars and things like that, but you talk about, you know, like a future steep, right? The, the steep analysis. If you automate cars to a smart highway, what's going to happen to the automobile insurance industry? Mm-hmm. It'll, It'll disappear. You, you right? won't need it any longer. You know how much money they're worth? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's so the problem. 
that's the problem yeah. with innovation is that yeah. there's all these uh you know parties that love it the way it is they like it the way it is so we need to you know somehow slowly open the overton window and get them to, to understand that these changes are good it's like uh, every day uh, I drag people up the hill from an insurance company saying, come on, we're going to show you something. <laughs> Dragging them up the hill. Uh, but, and then once they see it, but you know, that's the, that's what I think is one of the neatest things about innovation and creativity in the world of insure tech is being able to bring cutting edge technology science to a real company in a real world where now all of a sudden they can do things better and then the consumer is happier as yeah. well. And I love that, the fact that you can show the real world, real world, real world savings like almost right away. I mean, a lot of times you can't do that. Yep, absolutely. Very cool, very cool. So this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, info at infinalytics.com. Uh, we answer that right away. Um, and then there's also a, um, uh, an 800 number. Um, I can never remember. So hold on. Ben. That's okay. I can put it in the show notes. <laughs> Not a problem. Okay. If you just send me the information. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll just email, I'll just email you the information right now uh, after we get off or whatever. That'd be the easy way. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been great.